This is AgBioscience. Welcome, and thanks for joining. I'm Mitch Frazier, CEO of Agrinovus Indiana, and this is the podcast where we explore all things AgBioscience, the people, the products, and innovations across food, animal health, plant science, and ag tech. Small businesses of 500 employees or fewer make up 99.9% of all U.S. businesses, and of the new jobs created between 1995 and 2020, small businesses accounted for nearly two-thirds, 12.7 million. Today's guest is a journalist, an author, and a bold visionary who sees the next chapter of America's economy coming from what some may think are surprising places. Welcome the founder of Times of Entrepreneurship, Elizabeth McBride. Elizabeth, welcome to Ag Bioscience. Thank you so much for having me, Mitch. It's really, it's fantastic to be here. I was saying before we went on camera, it's it's just exciting and fun to be with people who care as much about this early stage part of the economy as I do. Well, there is so much happening and so much to unpack. Your bold vision for entrepreneurship, the work you've done in writing a book and building the Times, we have a lot to cover today, but before we do, we have to dig into your story. You have you have a fascinating background. Share with us your journey and what shaped your vision around entrepreneurship and this critical piece of the economy. You know, people often ask me like why I kind of settled on being a journalist in this area because I'm one of the few and I have done all kinds of other things, right? I've covered high finance, I covered the business of guns for a while. I was writing about the Middle East. Like I've done all these sort of like big dream glamour things in the world of journalism um, and written for most of the world's big business publications. But eventually, I think like a lot of people in their careers and lives, I got to a place where I was like, where am I, where am I going to make the most difference, right? Where, where am I going to have the most impact? And, and I think it was all that work that led me to the knowledge that, in fact, the biggest impact is in this early stage part of the economy, covering the financing, covering small businesses, and then and startups and tech startups, which I put all into this same universe. Um, and then the second piece, the second sort of ingredient is that I have a strong kind of social justice feeling. And when you understand the statistics, you really see that there is so much to be done in terms of getting financing to people who don't typically have access, women, people of color, people who come from um, backgrounds that aren't wealthy. So all, I put all those things together and thought, this is the world where I can make a difference. Well, you are absolutely doing it, Elizabeth. When you when I look at your coverage and Let's, ju let's just jump into it. Less than two years ago, you co-authored a book in the middle of a pandemic called The New Builders, Face-to-Face -face with the True Future of Business. I cannot wait to read it. In the book, you and your co-authors share some fascinating stories of entrepreneurship. You shed light on stats that debunk what looks like a few commonly held misconceptions around entrepreneurship in America. Elizabeth, you have to share what share more about the book and share some of these stats that I know you're so passionate about. What, what did you find where entrepreneurs may not be that sort of thing or that group of people we typically think of? Well, I'll tell you the, the big attention grabbing stat that I think surprises a lot of people in the business world, which is that venture capital funds only 1% of all the startups um, in the country and only about 14% of startups. And by startups, that you know, that word has sort of been co-opted to mean tech 
in the tech world. But if we're looking at all startups in terms of timing, so in the first couple of years after they launch, only 1% get venture funding, only about 14% get a bank loan. So that means that 85% are on their own, right? And you could, you know this from, from working in this world, how hard it is to start a business with no capital. You don't even have enough time because you've got to be earning a living yourself, right? So you're doing it in your spare time on your kitchen table. Well, that's great. And there is lightning that strikes and some people right. can grow great businesses there, but the vast majority of people need time, support, a few years to get off the ground. And right now we are just not providing that for enough people in our economy. You've had a front row seat to it, Elizabeth. I mean, as, as you look at all of the coverage areas that you've covered, uh, you've talked about the work that you've done around the globe, but just what, a year after you wrote that you co-authored this book, you launched the Times of Entrepreneurship, really in the early days of the global pandemic to do just that. I, I, I have to, I want to dig in here a little bit to your psyche, to what was happening. You say, hey, look, we're going through a global pandemic. I think I'm going to launch a new business. I think we're going to call it the Times of Entrepreneurship. And, you know, let's shine a giant spotlight on what's happening. Okay. Walk me through it. Walk me through it. Okay. So I'm not a totally that crazy. I'm pretty, I'm pretty great. I'm pretty much of like a, hey, I'm going to give this a shot and see if it works kind of person, right? I'm I love a, it. I'm an entrepreneurial journalist that way. But so what happened is actually in the fall of 2019, the Kaufman Foundation, I had a conversation with the Kaufman Foundation said, hey, I have an idea. I think this is an area that could use more coverage. I'm going to launch a site called Times of Entrepreneurship. And they backed me with $80,000, which in the world of like launching a business is not a lot. Um, but it was enough for me to say, okay, I'm going to build kind of a scratch website, like get some content up there, see if I can get more funding. And with the support also of the Legatum Center at MIT, um, which was also an early supporter. Um, so with those two backers, um, which sort of paid my bills and enough for me to get up and running, I launched on February 12th, 2020. Incredible. So uh, you know where we were at that moment, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So I was like up and running like three weeks, having a good time, like I was seeing traffic on the site. And then the pandemic hit. And I thought, wow, like, should I just shut down? Like, what do I, am I going to be able to feed my kids? I'm a single mom. I, but I thought, you know what? I'm a journalist. Most of the, my peers as journalists at the Times and the Washington Post, other Bloomberg, they were covering healthcare as they should have been, right? In right. the early days of the pandemic, there were these huge, big issues. And I was in this one corner of small business but I was also seeing the way the pandemic was just killing small businesses. Just like it was like a knife through my heart to be interviewing people whose dreams were just going down the drain. And then I wa we watched the first government aid roll in. And I also knew because I was in the midst of doing this research with Seth Levine, who's my co-author for the book, we knew how badly that first amount of aid was missing the target. Um, and so we wrote an op-ed from based on the work on Times of E. I got it published in CNBC, which is a place I write for, um, and it just took off. And then the Senate, so Tim Kaine's chief of staff, he's a senator here in Washington, uh, reached out to me. And he was so kind, right, because I'm sure things happen all the time in the Senate. But he thought to reach out and say to me, look, we used, we used that data to help reshape 
the pandemic days, right? And there was this moment as a journalist that you don't get often where you, you get a real-time feedback that says your work is really making a difference. And so with that in hand, we published the book, like the site grew. I think more people were paying attention then to, to kind of the reality of the small business economy. I have goosebumps. I mean, that story is incredible. I can't imagine the day that you got the call where it was, hey, not only did somebody read this, but it has the impact exactly what you wanted it to have to change the future of of small business. Now, we first got to know you, Elizabeth, uh, as you were looking at sort of the the rest of the country, right? This this middle part of the country that is you know, often not thought of in terms of tech, tech innovation. We, we obviously think a little different here in Indiana. Um, but your focus area, really consistent with the area that, that we're focused on, is really how do we inject energy? How do we inject connectivity uh, beyond Silicon Valley, right here in the heartland? When it comes to regions outside the coast, what, what areas outside of Indiana have impressed you? What, what are some of those places that you look at and go, okay, here is something that is sort of counter to the big trends that we see on the coasts? Well, there are so many, right? I mean, that's the fundamental message that I've taken and that I'm trying to amplify now, or I'm amplifying now. I feel really fortunate because there have been supporters who have come around who are already working in the space or have joined me. And one of them is Armory Square Ventures, which is a venture firm based in upstate New York. Um, I met, had a conversation with those founders. They said, how can we support your work? So they gave me a sponsorship. We called it in a very unglamorous way, deep dives into secondary markets. And so I've been to Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, and now I'll be headed to Rochester. Okay. And and the idea is just go to those places and figure out what's going on because there's not a lot of business news. There are great local publications. You've also got Indianapolis Business Journal. I've been a fan of theirs for a long time, but there's not like a national kind of lens. Right. And so, yeah. So I was in Pittsburgh in the fall and they're doing amazing stuff. They're super lucky to have a wealth of foundations based on the wealth generated there a century ago. And they've been working on these issues for a long time, trying to bring back their economy after the decline of the steel industry. So that's one. Pittsburgh is one. Um, I just saw some stats um, about Cleveland, which is uh, like shooting up in terms of the number of new business formations. Hmm. So that I'm actually going to publish an article this week about some of those stats. Kansas City, uh, I should, I mean, Kansas City has got the incredible luck to be where the Kauffman Foundation is headquartered. So there's all kinds of cool stuff always going on there. And also they have two huge privately held corporations there. And that, that tends to support an economy. Indianapolis is like, it's super cool too, though. <laughs> right. I was so interested, like I get excited about this stuff. I was interested in the ag there. I just think that is going to be the innovation in the ag industry is so important. And then I want to just also mention that a lot of the media on the coast is missing how important the new chip factories are. And they are just sweeping through, these plans are just sweeping down the middle of the country in the old Rust Belt, some Sun Belt cities. Like these are $10 billion, $100 billion projects. These are huge injections of energy into different parts of the country. 
Uh, without a doubt. There is so much happening. I think in, in some cases, it's hard to even describe it because there is such a tidal wave of, of innovation happening, of new starts. I want to dig into your trip from Indianapolis. So you came and best I can tell, you met with Indiana Secretary of Commerce, Brad Chambers, who is himself an entrepreneur, a bold leader, a visionary. You met with some of my former colleagues, my former exact target colleagues over at High Alpha. What were some of your impressions? of here in Indiana, of entrepreneurship, and to your point, ag tech? Okay, so two, so one thing is I stayed at the Bottleworks Hotel. Um, so when I, reached out, yes, when I reached out to High Alpha, they said, okay, here's this hotel near our office, check it out. And what I, so I stayed there. And when I left, when I got there, when I was there, I, I just, it's a great place to help you realize the incredible infrastructure in places that have been important cities in American history for a long time, right? And people don't realize how important infrastructure is. And by that, it's like buildings, right? Buildings that are well-built. It's uh, roads that function reasonably well, although everyone worries about potholes, but, you know, freight lines, right? people's knowledge of how to move things, right? All this is infrastructure. So that's one huge takeaway um, from my visit. And then I happened to, you know, it's always sort of a uh, serendipitous who I meet in any city when you're just jetting in, right? And I'm fully recognizing that there's no way to really capture a ton of knowledge in a short visit or a couple of months of reporting. Um, but serendipitously, I met Ellie, who's the founder of the B Corporation. Um, That's right. Meeting her helped me realize the depth of interest and kind of the web of connections that people feel to the agriculture industry in Indiana, which is so important, um, right? It's like how you grow. If you see farm fields growing up around you, if you know farmers, if you know people in the industry, it just gives you a depth of experience. And then when it comes time for you to launch a business, right? maybe a tech business, an innovative business, right? That's what you're steeped in. And so you, it's a good, you, you know, it can work. And so you do it. And she brought that home to me. And then I started looking around for other ag tech in the area. Ellie's incredible. And what I what I love to your point about this infrastructure that exists in Indiana, I think two things. One, home to two publicly traded companies, ag tech companies with Alanco and Corteva, and then a number of, to your point earlier, private companies that are doing great work. But I think the piece here that is gets me so excited is as a guy who's been in tech and now in this this ag bioscience world, is innovation here is so approachable and so connected. This is the only piece of the economy that touches every person on this planet, right? Food is is a universal need for everyone on every continent. And so when I think we're seeing tech innovators say, gosh, I, I really want to do something that makes a difference, ag, ag tech, ag bioscience becomes the place they go. Yeah. And it, and right now, I mean, I'm I'm an, attuned to global events because I'm I live in Washington, D.C., there's so much new awareness about food security because of the war in Ukraine, right? You wouldn't think it has an impact, but of course it has an impact, right? Everyone is sort of like, oh yeah, we actually need grain, right? We need farmers. Um, and so I think that that for the next year or two, just the war in Ukraine is going to propel this new kind of awareness of food security. 
And then on top of that, right, you've got sort of the global tensions with China and Russia that are on the rise. So again, the the U.S. is kind of looking inward to say, we are a country of such incredible natural resources. Let's make sure that we are investing in these, in our homegrown, in our resources here, right? Um, So I think there's just going to be a ton of energy around that idea. It's good to hear someone not in this industry say that, right? The, the notion that food security is national security. Right. I mean, th- those two things are real. And to your point, we're seeing it in Russia, Ukraine. I mean, w- without a doubt. Yeah. I think we had forgotten it for a while, right? We, I think it's easy to get, to get sort of spoiled, especially if you live on the coast, um, because yeah. you, don't, you just don't have that awareness. There's your farmer's market, right? But you don't have the awareness of what, what goes into actually producing food and how important a global industry it is, which With I think, that. right, we should mention um, Tyrannus, right? Which is the yes. Other, yes, that's right. Yeah, which is the other company. <laughs> so, I, you know, when I was looking around for, for more people to interview and thinking about who to interview and figured out who they were. So I've also written, covered, done coverage in the Middle East. So no, right, the reputation of, of the Israel startup world. Extraordinary. Yes. And there's a ton of great startups in the Arab startup world, too, by the way. But Israel has a special relationship to the U.S. And so you encounter a lot of people, a lot of Israelis doing work here. So to find them also in Indianapolis was a marker to me that, hey, people are really paying attention to this ecosystem. All right, Elizabeth, I know you have to run. I'm going to ask you one more question, but then I'm going to slide in something here. You have to come back. We have to spend time together and I'm going to introduce you to a bunch more people. Okay, so here's my last question. And I actually lied. I'm going to try to slide in too. So first is, how can we follow you? How can we see the work that you're doing? How can we get access to your book? That's one. Okay. And then what's next for your coverage? As we think about all things Midwest, all things ag bioscience, all things entrepreneurship. So um, you can find me a lot of places online, Elizabeth McBride, right, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram. Times of E is the what my platform is called now. Uh, I also write regularly for Forbes. So those two places, it's easy to find me. Times of Entrepreneurship and Forbes. Times of E is just Times of E. Um, and I'm also working on a rebranding this spring to to launch the website as the new builders dispatch. So oh, wonderful. So guess who gave me the idea for that? Okay, you, you're okay. Because we're always out of time, but it was Christian Anderson at High Alpha. <laughs> who is brilliant, by the way. <laughs> so I was listening, right? So I'm going to uh, rebrand and, and launch that way and actually deepen our coverage on the Midwest. Um, and I think of the Midwest in big terms, right? Uh, as kind of like, nor the old rust belt down to the sun belt like i think that's that's where the next cool stuff in the economy is going to be happening and that's what i love to do as a journalist is follow that kind of path right be right just ahead of it and so i think i think the midwest is is the edge of that right and so i love that Oh, good. Well, Elizabeth, we can't wait to have you back. I can't wait to see you back here to introduce you to all the things that are happening across Indiana's ag bioscience economy. She is Elizabeth McBride. She's the co-author of the book, The New Builders Face-to-Face with the True Future of Business. She's the founder of Times of E, Times of Entrepreneurship. Elizabeth, just a delight. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. And thank you. Thanks very much. 
And thank you for tuning into Ag Bioscience. You can get the latest Ag Bioscience news and insights from discussions just like this by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And while there, you can access our entire library and give us a review. Don't forget, you can always learn more online at agronovisindiana.com. On behalf of the entire Agronovis team, I'm Mitch Frazier saying thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you real soon. This podcast is a product of Agronovis Indiana in collaboration with Inside Indiana Business. Hosted by Mitch Frazier. Produced by Kayla Chittister and Fabian Rodriguez. Photography by Kaylee Kerr. To get all ag bioscience news all the time, visit agronovisindiana.com. Thank you.